Welcome to the Lean Solutions Podcast, where we discuss business solutions to help listeners develop and implement action plans for true lean process improvement. I am your host, Patrick Adams. Hello and welcome to the Lean Solutions Podcast. My name is Patrick Adams, and we are in episode 23, where today I'll be talking about my new book, Avoiding the Continuous Appearance Trap. We'll be talking about the book dedication, the introduction, and I'll be introducing company continuous improvement as well as company continuous appearance. We'll also be talking about the first question, are you content? If you'd like a copy of the book yourself, you can go to avoidcontinuousappearance.com or you can go to Amazon and search by book title or author. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Lean Solutions Podcast. Back when I was in the corporate world, there were two companies that I worked for that uh, were very similar at, sur- at the surface. Okay, so if you if any of you were to walk into either of these two companies, you would see a lot of the same stuff. You would see, um, you know, some really really great uh, posters on the wall. Maybe some value stream maps. Maybe um, you'd see some really great examples of 5S. You'd see, you know, tape on the floor and tape on uh, maybe uh, walls. You'd see some scorecards and some some uh, some good charts uh, on the walls and things like that. So these companies at the surface level looked very, very similar, okay? But uh, the two companies were very, very different. Um, one of the companies had an amazing culture of continuous improvement. And the other company had what I like to call a culture of continuous appearance. So at the surface, it appeared to have everything in order, but underneath, it definitely was not that way. It was a very toxic culture where people hated to work. The turnover was high, um, the, and the company struggled to sustain any kind of improvements. And so, the book that I'm writing about um, really takes these two companies and it it contrasts the two companies and gives and basically will walk through 12 questions that can help you determine. Um, whether you're living in a culture of continuous improvement or a culture of continuous appearance. And the idea behind the book is that um, by asking yourself these 12 questions, um, you can start to think scientifically about how I can apply maybe the answers to those questions or what the answer should be to my business, um, to my company, to my team, to start moving in a direction um, to build a, a culture of continuous improvement. Um, and so that's really the goal of this book is to um, get people to think about those things that they should be doing that maybe they're not doing that are going to promote the right uh, culture in the end. For those of you that don't know me that well, um, one of the things that I like to talk about quite a bit is the fact that, you know, when I started my consulting company, one of the things that I uh, that is very important to me um, is giving back and our company's purpose is to empower and equip people for positive change. Um, and that also rolls over into the, the nonprofit or charity work that we do as well. And one of those organizations that's very dear to my heart is Remembrance Ranch. And Remembrance Ranch uh, is an organization that helps uh, at-risk teens to uh, empower and equip them for positive change. And so the proceed, a lot of the proceeds uh, from my consulting company, as well as from the book, will be going back to help uh, promote organizations like Remembrance Ranch. And so I wanted to make sure that you guys were aware of that because it is a big part of what we do uh, at, at PA Consulting as well as what this book will be helping to make happen.
Um, dedication for the book. So uh, again, I'm giving you guys a little bit of inside knowledge here on some things that most readers won't get. I want to give you guys just a just a, a an inside look at some of the uh, the pieces of this book. Again, that someone that buys it and picks it up to read it, they're not going to know this kind of stuff, but you will know it. So as you're as you're talking about it, um, as you're reading it yourself, I want you to know you know, some of the inside scoop on this. Uh, one of the things that I think is important to mention is the fact that uh, this book is being dedicated to my first lean coach. So uh, his name is Dave Remus. And um, he was a plant manager actually at a company that I worked for. Uh, and Dave actually passed away this past year, December. And uh, Dave was an amazing uh, manager, an amazing leader. And one of the things I think that is that, you know, I will remember most about Dave is the fact that uh, he didn't just sit in his corner office all day long, um, you know, uh, hoping that things were going to work out out in his plant. He was the kind of leader that was out every day, uh, walking the plant, working with people, looking for um, problems, uh, asking his team what he can do to help, um, anything that he could do to remove roadblocks to help um, you know, help them remove headaches. Um, he would be the first one out there, uh, you know, experimenting and uh, trying to give them the, the freedom or the ability to uh, remove those problems from their work area. And so um, Dave was a great friend of mine. I, I uh, met with him multiple times after I left the company and he developed a lot of people that were underneath him um, into some really great roles uh, based on his coaching abilities. So um, if anybody's interested to know more about Dave, uh, I definitely would be open to talk more about him, but I wanted to make sure that you all knew uh, a little bit more about the book dedication um, and where, you know, where uh, the book is actually um, uh, being dedicated to. Um, so this book has actually been something that has been on my heart for, uh, for a few years, actually. Actually, I started writing it before last year. I started putting together articles, and then those articles uh, eventually became chapters, right? So I, I have been writing it for a few years. Um, it wasn't until this past year when I really um, decided that, you know, this is something that we, I definitely need to get out there and put in the hands of, of more people. Um, because the more, the more companies that I was visiting, the more that I was seeing this culture of continuous appearance, you know, these companies, these leaders that were struggling to, um, you know, why, why can't we sustain improvements? Why are we continuing to struggle to uh, get our team engaged and involved? And why, you know, why are we having all these problems? And um, this, this culture of continuous appearance just kept coming up over and over again. And so I decided that it was something that I needed to get out there and, and help people. And really the 12 questions that are laid out um, are, are 12 questions that I think um, as part of company continuous improvement, which I'll talk to you about the two companies here in a little bit, but um, if you were to ask those questions at company continuous improvement, you would get very different answers than if you ask those questions at uh, company continuous appearance, which is the second company that I'll be introducing you to. Uh, in the introduction of the book, um, I just wanted to just read, you know, a, a couple uh, pieces here for you. I say that uh, in the following chapters, I will explain my experience in working for both organizations as an operations leader. Um, I'm going to show you what works and what doesn't work when creating a culture of continuous improvement. My hope is that you'll take my learnings, especially those from company continuous improvement, 
and establish a culture of continuous improvement within your organization. Um, I want to move down to the part where I say be, but be careful. Um, so this is one of the things that I talked with uh, Dr. Liker about as we went through the book together. Um, he said, you want to be careful because uh, you don't want people to read this book and think that they can begin to, that they can just uh, assign action items to their management team to go out and implement these 12 uh, questions into their organization. Because the moment that you do that, um, the, the, they're going to become overwhelmed. They're going to they're going to fail right away. They're going to struggle to implement them, and uh, they're going to feel like it didn't work, right? That it doesn't work, and it's going to be another letdown for them. Um, and so he said, you have to be very very careful to make sure that your readers know that this is this is the beginning of scientific thinking for them. Don't try to to implement all twelve questions into your organization right away just start with one. And part of this book is actually going to lay out an assessment for uh, the reader. At the end of each uh, chapter, there, there will be questions that they can ask themselves to help uh, determine if that one question is, should be a priority for their organization or not. And then at the end of the book, there's a summary of all of the questions into kind of an assessment form where, again, it will give them the ability to prioritize and determine which one of the questions they need to go after first. Um, but in the book, uh, we talk about, I, I actually um, talk about Toyota Kata. Uh, so in, in the uh, book, I also introduce uh, Mike Rother's Toyota Kata. So we talk about the idea of establishing that ideal state or that, um, you know, what, where do we want to go from here? What's, what's the direction that we want to head in? And then what's our next target state, right? So if I look at these questions in this manner, I should be able to determine, you know, if this one question is where my priority needs to be, I should be able to establish a target state and begin experimenting toward that target state. Um, this isn't something that's going to happen overnight. It's a journey. Just like any continuous improvement activity in your organization, um, implementing these the answers to these questions is a journey it's going to take time it's going to take a lot of hard work um, it's the, these are simple concepts but at the same time it's not easy it's going to take a lot of dedication intentionality and hard work um, and the only way that they're going to be successful is by taking each question one at a time um, and experimenting toward what works for your organization um, and, and this will look different based on the industry, the, the, the team that you're working with, the company that you're at. The answer to these questions may look very, very different. Um, so I'm very intentional in the beginning of the book, in the introduction, to make sure that, uh, that the reader knows that, that this is something that is going to take time and it could look very different um, depending on the industry, the team, the organization. Um, after the introduction, we go into meeting the team. Um, and this, is, uh, this was something that I added after I received some feedback um, from a few of my beta readers because they wanted to know more about company continuous improvement and company continuous appearance. And those are the two companies that I contrast. Obviously, I changed the names of the company and I changed the, the names of the people in the company in order to protect uh, those people. Um, but within the book, I'm actually, uh, I talk about them throughout each chapter as a case study. Um, so what I did was I added this chapter in the beginning to basically 
um, introduce the reader to the two companies. And I go into quite a bit of detail um, about the companies themselves. So I'll just read you the first paragraph of this one. It says, company continuous improvement is based in a large booming city in the United States. Their manufacturing plants, however, are strategically placed in small farm communities in rural areas. Company continuous improvement believes that farmers and their families to be smart, innovative, scientifically minded individuals with incredible work ethic and uniquely confident humility and a passion for their jobs that only comes with carrying on a family legacy. Um, and based on my personal experience with them, they were spot on. By placing the manufacturing plants in these rural areas, they're filling their workforce ranks with the people that fit their ideal demographic. Um, so that's just the beginning introduction to company continuous improvement. And I do the same thing with company continuous appearance. And I talk about uh, a little bit more detail about that company as well. Um, and then I also introduce specific people. So you'll meet the plant manager of company continuous improvement and you'll meet the plant manager of company continuous appearance. You'll meet some of the, the um, managers and the supervisors. And I also go into detail about some of the stories uh, behind uh, each of those individuals as well. And then obviously throughout the book, as I uh, talk about the two companies, um, I, I bring back the, those characters and I talk about the stories and, and weave those through each of the chapters uh, so that you can make the connection back to who they are uh, and what their personalities are and, and how they connect to the, the overall story. So I hope that that makes sense to everybody and I, I hope that you enjoy that piece of the book as well. Question one in the book is, are you content? Are you content? So one of my favorite quotes is uh, the most dangerous phrase in our language is we've always done it this way. Uh, you've probably heard this before. I've heard this so many times, like, you know, why are you doing it that way? Well, we've always done it that way. This is always the way we've done it. Why are you trying to change things? This is the way I'm comfortable. This is the way it's always been, right? I hear it all the time. Um, and, you know, as lean practitioners, we also have to uh, we have to respect and, and understand that people are going to struggle with change, but we also have to be the ones that are going to, to nudge and um, push people in a direction for change. And there's a good reason for that, right? Um, but the question that I have, you know, to a lot of these people is, if you've always done it this way, is the way that we've always done it, is it okay? Is it, is it the best way, right? Um, so like, what's your defect rate? Is that okay? Is your current defect rate, is that okay? How, how efficient are you at your job? Is that okay? Or do you want to get better, right? Th those are the questions that I usually ask people. Like, I know you've always done it this way, but is this the best way? Could things be better? And, um, you know, for some organizations, creating a, a, this, this dissatisfaction with the status uh, or with the current state um, could be easy, right? Because maybe your business isn't performing well. Uh, maybe you're losing sales or maybe you're not fulfilling your mission, right? In these cases, it would be easy to communicate um, and create alignment around why you need to change, right? However, the situation isn't always that clear cut, right? And, and I think most of us know that, you know, but let's imagine uh, for just a moment that your current output, the current way that you're doing things is top notch, that you do feel that it's okay the way that things are today. Is that enough for you to stop innovating to stop reaching for more, to stop improving. Because here's the, here's the thing you have to think about. Other companies, other teams are racing to catch up 
and pass you by, right? So standing still or being okay, being comfortable with the status quo is in effect the same as moving backwards because everyone else is improving. Everyone else is moving forward. So we cannot be content with the status quo. We cannot say it's okay for us to continue doing things the way we've always done them. We have to look for ways to improve and get better um, in everything that we do. Now, what I want to be careful of here is, uh, you know, a lot of times I hear the term burning platform. And I want to be careful that um, people, uh, we're not creating a state of fear for employees uh, or for team members, right? Um, so you have to be careful when you use the term burning platform. Um, rather, what I would say is let's create a compelling story that helps people feel um, that they're not content with the status quo. So a compelling story would be a narrative that charts uh, a change over time, right? Demonstrating how potential solutions fit into certain problems that you're experiencing. So if you know your team well enough, if you know your company well enough, what are the problems that you're experiencing and how can you, um, how can you generate a, a compelling story to help people understand why it's important for us to reduce or eliminate those problems, right? Um, one of the things you could think about is if you have real competitors that are working hard to steal your business, well, you can create a compelling story around that, that your team members can get behind and can, and can believe that, okay, we're not good where we're at. We need to improve. We need to get better, right? Um, if you work in an operating room, right, and real lives depend on zero defect mentality, well, you can get a, you can put together a story for that, right, that your team can stand behind and say, okay, we're definitely not good um, with this defect rate. We need to, we need to get, have a zero defect mentality. We need to get better, improve. So what's your story? What's the story that you have for your company? Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Lean Solutions Podcast. If you haven't done so already, please be sure to subscribe. This way you'll get updates as new episodes become available. If you feel so inclined, please give us a review. Thank you so much.